Take out your Bibles, go to John chapter six and your notes, there's in the bulletin, there's some notes for you. You smell anything different when you came in this morning? Yeah. If you weren't hungry when you got here, how many of you felt hungry once you started to smell the room? Yeah. You'll see what that's about here in a moment. Today, we're beginning a series, three weeks, heading into Christmas, and also our Christmas Eve service, The Gift You've Always Wanted. And today, we're going to be talking about a, that gift uh, that always satisfies, something that satisfies the deepest parts of who we are. And I want to ask you this question as we kind of get started this morning. What do you really want this year? Really? You know, this one, that question, you know, your family asks you, what do you want? And you give them the perfunctory, oh, you know, whatever. And you wind up with a sweater and a shirt and tie combo, you know. So I want you today to just imagine that you kind of have a blank check with God. This is not about what you get for Christmas. This is really a deeper question. What is it that you really want in your life? Really? What is it that if you could, if you could just pour your heart out to God, what is that, that deepest longing of your life right now in this season? And just ask the Lord, say, Lord, this is more than anything else. This is what I really, really long for. We're going to be talking today about this issue. In fact, not just today. You're going to be hearing this theme over the next several weeks about spiritual hunger about what is it that we long for in life. But today we're gonna to just kind of get us moving in a direction. It's really hard to kind of know what we want as people because we're so conflicted. There's a book called What Americans Want by Frank Luntz. And uh, it's a really interesting study about what is it that Americans as people, what is it we long for more than anything else? And it's really interesting as I was reading this book this week, as the book opens... He said, of, of all the things, this is a, a very huge study that was done, and the number one thing that's not even on this list, it's even kind of a, 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 a mega theme over everything in the book, the number one thing as a nation is freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. Because he goes on and looks at kind of some different things in different areas of our life, but as I listened to that, I thought, wow, you know, September 11th and, and all the things that have happened since then have really kind of economically and socially and now even on a, a national scale, there's just a lot of unrest, a lot of uneasiness in the hearts of people. But it, particularly in the chapter talking about kind of those family kind of things, those, those personal things of, that we want it says, here are the top five. We listed about 14 things that were given, people were given options to put in. The top five things, number one, a loving family. Number two, good health. Number three, financial security. Number four, happiness. And number five, eventually getting to heaven. Top five things that Americans want more than anything else. It's interesting that we... We have these things that we want, and then we live lives that are so conflicted to that. We want a happy family, and yet we do things that destroy our families. We want good health, and we continue to eat stuff that just kills us. 
and do things like that. You know, we, we're, we're a conflicted people. We want financial security, but we, live, we choose to live in debt. Uh, just, you can go on right down the line. And so it's really interesting. Today, I want you to go to John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus, in John chapter 6, there's a, we step into him interacting with the people after two very important miracles have taken place. The first one is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, with just a couple of, of uh, some, some fish and some loaves, feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. And then he, he walks across on the water to the disciples as they're going across the lake. And after these two miracles... Jesus, the people are looking for him. They're trying to find out where he went. They find out he goes to the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee. So they hop on boats and they, they go chase him down to find out where he's at. And when they finally find him, Jesus says this to him in verse 26. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. As people, we search after God for lots of reasons. There are lots of reasons why people begin to re-engage faith even in a season like Christmas. Uh, some of you are here today, you may be here simply out of the issue of family pressure. That's one of the reasons we, we engage. We kind of come to church and may begin to kind of, you know, we, we get the Bible out at the dinner table when grandma and grandpa are gonna come, we dust it off, all that kind of stuff because we don't wanna deal with the family pressure stuff. Uh, Another reason oftentimes we engage faith is because of the issue of community expectation. Some of you are here today because you know that in Bern it's expected that you're in church at Christmas season. That's what we do. Some of you are here today and you're, you're engaging because you're in a season of loss or crisis. We know that oftentimes when adults hit seasons of, of life transition and and personal loss, divorce, kids come in the picture, death, sickness, those things kind of stir our spiritual uh, engine a little bit. Personal gain, some of you may be here today, you may, you may engage faith because of what you hope to get out of it. For you, God's kind of a, a divine vending machine. Some of you may be here today out of just a sense of emptiness, saying, God, something is missing in my life I'm gonna to go to church and see if that's where I can find it. Something's, there's a hole there. I want you to fill it. Lots of reasons. But I wanna tell you the most compelling reason why every person is sitting in this room today at some level. I want you to look at John chapter six, verse 44. Because you and I, we become people who kind of get wrapped up in the fact that we're the masters of our own destiny. I'm in control of my life. I'm large and in charge, and I decide what's going to happen. I want to tell you, when it comes to issues of faith, the longings of our heart, the stirring of our heart toward God, Jesus says this. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. The single reason you and I are in here today is because God has preemptively worked in our lives. He has, by his grace, drawn us, wooed us, awoken us this morning, let's face it, if it was up to the carnal flesh, to my, to my own body, my own, my innate priorities, I might be deer hunting on a Sunday morning. Let's just be honest. 
If God was not drawing us and wooing us and pulling us by his spirit, you and I would probably be finding out, some of you may be sitting in front of the TV with a hot cup of coffee, figuring out what happened overnight. Some of you may be sleeping in. I don't know. But were it not for the Holy Spirit drawing us, we would be without hope. That is the number one reason why we begin to engage. And I want you to understand, it's God's kindness that brings us today here. You and I, we have a hunger in our lives. Our hunger for what satisfies, really, really satisfies, is the place from where the Holy Spirit begins to draw us to the Father. That place in our heart that says there's something else. You may even be a person who's here and you've followed Christ for a long time and you're in a season where you're saying, I don't want the next year to be like the last five. God, I'm asking you to do something fresh in my heart. I'm asking you to do something new. I'm asking you to make yourself so real to me to stir my spiritual life and to awaken it, to make it alive. I don't want to spend another year coming to church, going to small group, and just going through motions. God, if you're not going to change my heart, I don't want to just do this. Let me again know that you are real, that you love me, that you change this community, that you have a heart for us. That sense of hunger is where the Holy Spirit begins to draw us. You, you and I, we don't understand that God has literally created in us. You are created by God on purpose with a vacuum in your life that can only be filled by God. Blaise Pascal said that there is a God-shaped vacuum in every man's heart that can only be filled by, by the Lord. And that has been placed there. God has divinely created that in you. And you and I try to fill those longings with lots of different stuff. We try and plug the holes with everything from relationships. Some of you are here today and you think if I just had the right guy or the right gal, if I just had the right husband, the right wife, this, this thing in my heart would go away. So we jump from relationship to relationship, relationship. We wonder why it doesn't get filled. Some of you are looking for financial security. You think if I could just, if I just had a few more bucks in the bank, if I could expand my business a little bigger, if my farm could encompass a little more land and I would have a little more security, then, then I would feel at ease. We look to that. Some of us look to the idea of adrenaline. We love adrenaline rushes. We're looking for the next thing that just absolutely scares the life out of me. You know, I want to jump off a higher, jump out of a higher plane. I want to go faster. I want to, you know, I want to go to a roller coaster where they strap you to the outside of the thing and, you know, you may get to the end. I don't know. I'm not happy unless my hair's on fire and I'm going 120 miles an hour. That's what fills your life. But it never quite does. Some of you are filling it with just a sense of your own freedom. Think, I'm going to do what I want to do. My sense of personal autonomy is what fills that vacuum. Others of you use your sexuality. Try and plug it with areas outside of God's boundary for your life. And these things will forever be incapable of filling what only God can fill. And what a question I wanna ask you this morning very simply is this, what are you using to fill the deepest longings of your life? Where are you going? What's happening with that place that only God can fill? 
What Jesus tells us is when we go look at something that really truly satisfies you, and I need to go to the source. The person who created this in us. Jesus said that in John 6, 32, he identifies that God is the source of what truly satisfies us. He says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The people were looking at Jesus and were kind of comparing what he had done, feeding the 5,000, comparing it to Moses and his use, how God used him to feed the people this, this gift of manna from heaven, this miraculous bread that came out of heaven and fed them. And Jesus says, you've improperly identified that Moses was the one who gave you. God, Moses did not give you that. God did. My father gave you that. And in the same way that there was that miracle that defined the people's journey in the wilderness, right now in history, as history unfolds, God is now giving you a new bread from heaven and he offers it to you. He's saying, this is the new thing. That God is really the only one that can truly satisfy and that what satisfies is not something, but someone. Notice what he says in verse 33. He says, the true bread of God is the one who. Will you circle the word who in your Bible? Who? Because you and I constantly look for what. What is going to make me feel better? What is going to fill the hole? What is going to make me kind of numb the pain? What is going to, to kind of do it? The true bread is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It is a person. You and I have to stop looking for, to fill, this, to fill the hole with more of everything else. More security, more of a rush, more people, all this stuff. If we do not first understand that it is about a person, and that person is Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. I am the one that the Father is sent to fill that hole, to fill what truly satisfies in your life. So you and I today, we begin to ask ourselves, what role does Jesus play in truly filling what is the, the, the gaping hole of my life? How do I invite him into that? How do I engage my life with God through Jesus? What place does Jesus have in my life? And I wanna tell you this, if you and I basically live our lives as though God does not exist from Sunday morning at 10 o'clock to Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we are not allowing the bread of life to feed us. And we're missing the whole point. The search for what, really long, what, what we really long for, it begins and ends with Jesus. Kind of the, sometimes as a staff, we joke when people ask a question and say, the answer is Jesus. Whatever your question is, the answer is Jesus. It, but it really truly is. And it seems very simple, but I want to tell you today that that's our journey. See, why, why, how does he do this? Well, he does this because, first of all, Jesus gives, gives us life. The reason it is so meaningful, the reason it's so powerful is because he offers us the gift of life. Verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The reason Jesus is the answer is because he is the one who has put to an end the death cycle that was introduced to humanity when Adam and Eve sinned. 
When you and I choose, every time we choose to go outside of God's plan for our life, we introduce death to our lives. Our relationships, our future, uh, you name it. Our fi- every time we, we, we go against God's plan, and Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, to give you life. You and I are in this constant journey to see that death cycle ended. You see, the life that Jesus offers, look over, flip over a couple pages to your left, go to John 3.15. John 3.15, Jesus kind of describes what he means by life. Because you and I, can, we kind of have our own definitions, but Jesus, when he says, I've come to give you life, it's a very specific kind of life. And it's what he, the Bible calls John particularly, more than any other writer in, the, in Scripture, speaks of God giving us life. And John 3.15 says that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And we tend to think of eternal life as kind of doing what we do now for a long, 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 long time, and we can't really figure out what we would possibly do for that long because we measure time in that, in that, in that, in that manner. Eternal life is not about, it is about quality, it is not about quantity. It's not about, the, the, the discussion is not time as you and I know it. It's about life as God intended. As God fully restores a life that we begin to experience now. That's why Jesus says, you have eternal life. When you and I commit our lives to Christ, and we ask God to come in and to fill that hole, you and I begin to experience what it's like when God puts things back together. I want you to think about what we've seen on the news this last week. The brokenness of our society. Despite what we all may think or you may think about causes and solutions and everything else, it boils down to the fact that when people are outside of a relationship with God, families, communities, neighborhoods, and cities come unraveled. And when God begins to put people back together, he begins to put families back together. And when families begin to be whole, neighborhoods begin to be whole. And when neighborhoods begin to be whole, cities begin to be whole. And what we're saying is, we're seeing is when when God enters the picture, life begins to be restored. But you and I see only a glimpse of that right now, the kind of life that he intends to give fully and completely. The life that Jesus comes to give us is one that lasts. The problem is, is that almost everything meaningful that you and I experience in this life, it comes to an end. This here, your body, this thing, this is a tent. And no matter how hard we try, no matter what kind of replacement parts we put in, it wears out relationships as as much as we may love someone and we we so long to and we have a great time with them because of death those relationships come to an end and it's extremely painful for us we long for things that life to continue john 6:27 jesus said don't be so concerned about perishable things like food Spend your energy seeking eternal life that only the Son of Man can give you. This is an interesting passage to me. I mean, here's, when you and I think about, don't be so concerned about perishable things, some of us probably think about stuff. 
Now, don't be so concerned about whether you got stuff at the lake house or you've got stuff, extra stuff in your shed or you've got a couple mower. Don't be concerned about, you know, all of our... He's, he's saying to people who live a subsistence lifestyle, who don't know tomorrow where their meal's gonna come from, don't be concerned about food. You and I can't begin to fathom that in here because most of us in here have spent our entire life living in a home that had extra food in the cupboard. Very few of us in here have lived not knowing where our next meal is gonna come from. And Jesus says to those people, he says, don't be so concerned about perishable things. You and I, we get so consumed with stuff, life here. He says, spend your energy, begin to make a place for me. Verses 47 to 50, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread of heaven, however, will never die. So what's he talking about? I mean, we see people die. Well, he tells us in John chapter 11, a little later when he raises Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection of life. And he asked Mary Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe that even though a man, a person dies, that they will live again? That Jesus has the victory over the things, this death cycle that you and I are so accustomed to. When you and I begin to eat the bread of heaven, take him into our life, that cycle ends. And the life that he gives, it doesn't disappoint. Look at verse 35. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, here's the problem with the kinds of stuff we typically fill our, our, that hole with in our life is that because they come to an end, they are chronically in need. We chronically have to do more. And because the law of diminishing returns, we see this, that, well, this thing, this take the adrenaline rush thing for a moment. No matter how fast I go, no matter what crazy thing I do, to get that same buzz the next time, I'm gonna to have to go a little bit faster. I'm gonna to have to be a little crazier because it just doesn't do the same thing. We see this in relationships. We see it active in sexuality issues, all kinds of things. But Jesus says when you come to him, that's gonna be filled. That hole, that spot is gonna be forever filled you won't be disappointed. So the question is, how do we get this? How do we enter into this kind of life that Jesus is inviting us to? We wrap up today. I just want to invite you to think about these things. First of all, you and I have to admit that we're hungry. I wasn't hungry until I came into church today. I had, I had breakfast. I had coffee. had my toast. But man, there is something about the smell of it. This is like crack to me. I just want you to know. <laughs> to a person who shouldn't eat a lot of carbs, there's nothing like a yeast roll. Wow. I smell that bread cooking. Just the, something about the presence, the aroma of bread baking that makes you hungry. There is something about being around people of God's presence, Stu, his conversation with the kids in school, that creates hunger. 
When you come into a worship service, you begin to worship, you begin to say, God, I'm so hungry in my life for something that truly, truly satisfies. You and I have to, before God is gonna fill us, we have to admit that we long for something more. The Bible says that God blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. If you're here today and there is a gaping hole in your life, whether you are someone who has walked with the Lord or you are a person that you are exploring faith maybe for the first time in your life, your hunger is great news. Michael, you prayed it over us this morning. Our biggest need right now in this church and in this community is that God would refire our hunger. We are so numb, we are so full of this life that we have absolutely no room for something fresh and new with God. Then Jesus says, believe in him. This is the only work that God wants you to do. See, we get in this ledger mentality with God. He says, I just want you to believe in me. I want you to believe that I am the answer and begin to build your life and not just believe, but to come to him, to come to him. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes will never be thirsty. It's not just about believing, kind of mentally assenting. Oh, that's God's answer is Jesus. Okay. It's about coming and saying, Lord Jesus, fill my life. And not just fill my life, but feed your soul on Jesus. He is good. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. Not talking about physical bread, but it's a metaphor for us. You have to take it in. You have to take him into your life just like you rely on food. You wouldn't think of getting up tomorrow and sometime tomorrow not caring for your body by eating. Don't think about starting a day or living a day without saying, Jesus, what do you want in my life? What do you have to say to me in your word? What do you want me to know? Feed on him. Don't just come to church once a week hoping that somebody charges you up enough to get you to the next week. Make him your source. Every day. Will you bow your heads? Father, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, awaken hunger in us that you can fill. Right now, wherever you're at, I want you to begin to just imagine Jesus sitting there at a table with you. It's a small little table, just two places, you and him. He's offering you bread. The kind that fills the deepest holes of your, of your life. I want you to reach out and take it from him. Say, Lord, I want, I want that in my heart. I want that in my life. I'm so tired of the rat race. Just receive it.